0: I was really restless before I met Christ. I was looking in all different kinds of directions. But ever since I met Jesus, I've never doubted that he is the Lord and Savior of humanity and and my Lord and Savior.
1: The testimony of a man who was raised in a Muslim home... Thought the answer was to be found in Eastern mysticism, but eventually found his life and purpose in following Jesus Christ. That is what you'll hear on this edition of First Person. Welcome. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and you'll meet Mateen Elas in just a moment. Before we begin the conversation, please take a few moments to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company who enable us to bring you these interviews. More information about supporting FEBC can be found at firstpersoninterview.com by clicking on the banner for FEBC. While you're at the website, take a moment to browse the audio archive of past programs or look ahead to upcoming programs on the schedule. Again, go to FirstPersonInterview.com. Well, last week we introduced you to Mateen Elas, who was born to a Muslim father but found himself searching for spiritual truth. His journey led him to Eastern mysticism before he finally turned to Christianity and gave his life to Christ. Today we continue that conversation as we learn more about Mateen and his search for truth. But as we begin, we start with a brief recap of his testimony.
0: I was on a, a search of my own that took me far afield from, uh, from uh, God, although I thought I was pursuing God. Uh, and finally, the Holy Spirit got uh, hold of me and redirected me through a bunch of Christians uh, where I saw uh, love in action, and that led me to uh, ask about where that came from, and uh, that led me to read the Gospels and discover in Jesus the source of that love. And then, to uh commit my life to following Jesus, and as this Lord. was
1: after pursuing Eastern mysticism and some other things too, yes, right? absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah interesting all right now let's pick up the story, and I'm so glad that you would rejoin me this week because this is this really needs to be told. Um, what did your family think when you made this commitment to christ
0: well i uh the commitment w- was made i I prayed in September, and uh, so I had a wonderful. Fall semester or quarter at, at Stanford, and then went home at Christmas time. And as I, I'd always share with my father my spiritual journeys, uh, he in fact had supported me when I was pursuing Eastern mysticism, really? helped to pay for my time over in India.
1: But he was a non-practicing Muslim.
0: Non-practicing Muslim, yeah. Okay. Um, but he didn't have any problem with my pursuing Eastern uh, mysticism. So uh, I didn't really think twice about telling him that I'd become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Uh, and so after uh, my jet lag uh, was over, and my dad had gotten home from work that first day. We sat down to talk, and so I pretty excitedly told him that I had made a commitment to, to follow Christ as as a believer. And uh, suddenly there was this sto- stone-cold silence, and he said to me, that uh, that is not possible. You cannot do that. Mm. And he had never said anything like that before. And uh, he told me that uh, to do to do something like that would be a betrayal of the family. It would be like stabbing him in the back. It it would uh, cause a disruption, maybe danger to family members in the Middle East. Muslim How do you account for the
1: fact that he was okay with this other path that you were on, with the yoga and all that, yeah. but but not Christianity? Yeah,
0: it's it's really. Uh, I think the answer lies in an uh, emotional response. Uh, that was built into him from when he was young, because Islam uh, sees Christianity and Judaism as as the former religions of truth that then have have since been corrupted by it, by the followers of Moses and Jesus, and the, of course the devil got his hand in there. Mm-hmm. So for Islam, uh, Christianity and Judaism, and especially Christianity, loom large as. Uh, the offenders and
1: the stumbling block. The stumbling block. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, Hinduism, Buddhism. Uh, I mean, my, for my dad, those were never big issues. He was not trained to to oppose those. So, as a secular Muslim, he it, they didn't really bother him. But Christianity uh, was a different matter because. He was worried, I believe, he didn't tell this to me, but it, he was worried that uh, if if word got out that one of his sons had become a Christian, not only would he lose all respect with his Muslim friends, but, but with his family members as well, it would be a matter of great shame.
1: How about professionally for him? He was a high-level oil executive yeah. in Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah, that's a, a very astute question. He... Uh, I remember when we were together at that point for about three days, every time we were together, it was an argument. And then at the end of those three days, he just kind of shut down completely. But in that time period, there were four major arguments that he used to try to convince me that I should recant. And the first was that the girl that I was dating was from Arabia. I mean, she was an American, but living in Arabia with her family. And he said, if the Saudi officials hear that you've become a Christian, they'll, of course, look, look at your... Relationships, And it'll become very clear very quickly that you've got a close relationship with this girl and her family. And they'll conclude most likely that they were proselytizing you. Oh. And the penalty for proselytizing in Saudi Arabia is severe. My dad said not just financial, but the father would most likely face jail time. And he hmm. said, you know, the jails here make American prisons look pretty nice by comparison. So he said well, you should think about that's that. That's a
1: powerful argument, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and then second, I remember going from that over to my girlfriend's house, and waiting for her father to get home so I could talk to him and uh, and in, uh, in tears say to him, "I don't want to cause any problems for you," and and he just brushed that aside. He said, "Mateen, oh, he was a strong Christian man." He said, "I've I've faced death before, and God has protected me." He said, "I'm I'm not worried. You don't don't you make a decision on the basis of of me." Uh, so that was very kind of him.
1: What were the other arguments that your father presented against Christianity?
0: Well, the second one it wasn't against Christianity so much as it was a, a family issue. He said, if you feel still feel the same way when summer comes around, vacation time, you know, normally you'd come back to Arabia. You, if you still feel the same way about your Jesus, I remember he said that. Um, then he said, you need to find someplace else to live. You won't be welcome under my roof. Which... I knew meant I wouldn't. I couldn't get back into Arabia because you can't. Arabia doesn't offer um, travel visas. Mm-hmm. You know, for uh, vi- for uh, visitors or sightseers, you have to be there by invitation. So I knew he was saying you, you you'll be out of the family. And then the third thing he said to me was, uh, if word gets out that one of my sons has become a Christian, he said I will lose all effectiveness in my role working with uh, Saudi government officials. And he said, I mean, that's the heart of my work as vice president. He said, so I'll have to resign my position from Aramco. So he said, you should think about that. And and then the fourth thing he said was, he said, you you officially are a Muslim. According to Sharia law, the son of a Muslim is a Muslim. You can't debate that. He said, so if the government, Saudi uh, police hear about uh, rumors about you being a Christian and they bring you in for questioning, what will you do? I said, well, I mean, I understand it's a sensitive issue, so I'll be cautious in how I respond. He said, well, what if they ask you directly if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus? I said, well, I'll say yes, because I am. I can't turn my back on Jesus. And I still can picture in my mind, he threw his hands up in the air and he said, well, then out of your own mouth, you would would be convicting yourself of the crime of apostasy, and he said, "In case you don't know, the penalty for apostasy in Saudi Arabia is death by beheading." So he said, "You should think about that." Mm-hmm. So I'd be, I was a Christian. I've been a Christian now three months. Yeah. You know, and um, uh, the the Christian community there, the underground community that knew about what was going on with me, was praying like crazy, and uh, I ne- I never felt. Uh, despair at all, uh, I was sad about what what my dad was going through um, so you didn't back down i didn't i didn 't back down, and that was the first time in our family's history that my father's uh will uh didn't win the day hmm. in within the family
1: What did it do to your relationship?
0: Well, he cut me off from the family um, from that point on, although he did allow me to come back to Arabia. He himself would not have much at all to do with me. And then, after I graduated two years later from uh, from Stanford and was no longer uh, able to travel back to Arabia as a as a student, uh, he would he didn't uh, want to have anything to do with me. Just completely went silent, hmm. and that lasted until nineteen seventy nine. And his heart started to soften, and we were able to reconcile as father son. Mm-hmm and re- start to rebuild a relationship But he didn't
1: become a believer in Jesus.
0: No, not as far as I know. Uh, I know that towards the end of his life, he, he knew that he could die at any time because he had congestive heart failure and had been rushed to the hospital a number of times. So touch and go. So he was, he was searching. I remember once when I was visiting him, he asked me if I would go out and, and uh, get a book for him, uh, which was by a famous Sufi saint I named Rumi and um, the Sufis are are the branch of Islam that you might say is closest to the gospel message well not the me- gospel message but the idea that God is love it's a mystical branch of Islam and all the mystics are pretty much the same it's this love relationship between the individual soul and and God and so he was very interested in the, the thinking of Rumi so I went and got him the book he wanted and he and I had a, f- a few talks about uh, uh, religious matters, spiritual matters, but he, w- he mm. was always very sensitive. So uh, I could always tell when he was uh, saying, okay, we're, we're at the point where I've had enough. And so mm. I would just stop talking.
1: Anyone else in the family, your mother, anyone else?
0: Uh, my older brother is a practicing Muslim, lives in Saudi Arabia. My younger two siblings are, uh, they're uh, not believers, nor is my mom um they've been my mom of course is very warm towards me uh you know you have to love your own flesh and blood (laughs) my two younger siblings i would characterize them as uh secular humanists i don't know if they would agree with that designation but um they are presently not very happy with me so that's a that's a difficulty
1: but you've never turned back from christ
0: no uh uh,
1: you've paid a high price
0: well, you never. I didn't know that in advance. I've I've sometimes wondered if I had known in advance how my dad was going to react. How how would I have reacted? I think I would still. Well, believing in election as I do, I know I would still uh, have become a follower of Jesus. But it's different when you don't know in advance, and you then you it hits you in the face. Then you just have to deal with a, a, something that's already a fact. It's been forty-two years, and I've I have. I was really restless before I met Christ. I was looking in all different kinds of directions. But ever since I met Jesus, I've, I've never doubted that he is uh, the Lord and Savior of humanity and, and my Lord and Savior. And I've doubted many times that, that I had what it takes to be a disciple, but I never doubted that he is who he says he is.
1: Coming up, Mateen will help us better understand the world of Islam here on First Person.
0: This program is supported each
1: week by the Far East Broadcasting Company. And I'm Ed Cannon, the president of FEBC. These first-person stories of God at work in people's lives
0: always encourage me. And at FEBC, we want to encourage you even more with God's Word. Take a moment to sign up for our daily online 30-day devotional featuring stories and scripture. You can sign up
1: easily at First. FirstPersonInterview.com. Go there today. FirstPersonInterview.com. My guest is Mateen Elass And for the past few minutes and really last week on the program, we've been hearing his testimony here on First Person. Mateen, thank you for sharing the story that you have. It's just amazing to me.
0: You're so kind to have uh, me.
1: I- I'm so glad that a mutual friend introduced us. Now, I want to talk about your, your ministry today, because we, we haven't gotten to that at this point in the conversation. It's so important we talk about this, because uh, while you were raised um, in a non-practicing Muslim home, you've come to Christ, but it gives you a unique perspective on the Muslim world. But more than that, you seem to have a a passion for the gospel that extends to Muslim people.
0: Absolutely. So, so
1: tell me about that. What what are you doing with that?
0: Well, I- I'm sure, partly because of my uh, heritage with my uh, dad and his side of the family, and growing up in uh, in Saudi Arabia and, and traveling through the Middle East uh, early on, I developed a great love for the uh, for Arab people and uh, Arab culture. And uh, of course, most of the Arabs are Muslim, and I believe that uh, Jesus is uh, is the. Uh, savior of Muslims as as well as all other people. I remember uh, reading recently a uh, uh, quoted by uh, uh, Samuel Zwamer, often known as the Apostle to Islam, who said about the church back in the 19, early, or first half of the 1900s, uh, it seems as if uh, Christians believe that the Great Commission applies to everyone except the Muslim world Mm. because there was very little mission activity to the Muslim world. Sad to hear that. But that's changed now. God is at work in marvelous ways, eye-opening ways among Muslim peoples. And uh, this is a great time to be alive and uh, be sharing the gospel with Muslims. So the the ministry that I'm with, it's called Voice of the Truth, headquartered in Colorado Springs, was started by uh, a, a Syrian Christian young man 45 years ago he's still running the ministry today and his passion was to get the gospel in the arabic tongue to arabic speaking peoples and uh, both arab christians traditional christians and of course muslims uh, in order that they could discover a personal relationship with a god of love uh, who wanted to transform their lives and bring them into his uh, eternal family and uh So I've known Jad, the founder of this ministry, since uh, mid-1990s, served on his board when we lived in Colorado Springs in the 90s, and then two years ago, uh, I left being a Presbyterian pastor after uh, 33 33 years of pastorate, and uh, a very strong direct call from God to get involved in trying to reach the Muslim world and train the Christian world in how to understand the world of Islam.
1: Tell me the name of the organization again.
0: It's called Voice of the Truth.
1: Voice of the Truth, and we will put links to that on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. I've received two different answers to this question through the years. I'd be inter- interested in your perspective. We often uh, hear that in the Muslim world, where there's a lack of God's word, printed God's word, or a lack of witness of any kind that Dreams come into play, mm. and uh, you hear this quite often. And i I've, I've gotten two different answers about that. What What do you think of that?
0: Well, I, I, there's no question in terms of the f- the fact that uh, that Muslims are reporting uh, dreams and visions, and that those are leading them to Christ. Uh, it's it certainly isn't the the path that most evangelical Christians. Uh, think ought to be taken yeah, we're not God, we're not
1: comfortable with that many right, times are we
0: right but dreams and visions are ways that God spoke uh to people in biblical times and uh i I don't doubt that uh many muslims i, I wouldn't say that all Muslim converts mm-hmm. uh have had dreams and visions I think sometimes they've sort of uh, elaborated uh because it it sounds really good for <laughs> a testimony to have a uh A stark dream or vision that uh, transforms you,
1: but you can't dismiss it.
0: No, no, not not by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're very real, and and uh, along with that, the fact that uh, there are Muslims who have experienced uh, power encounters, uh, healings uh, by prayers that are offered in the name of Jesus when no other healing, no other option worked for their child or their spouse or yeah. themselves
1: uh i've yet to mention this week a couple of books you've written one is the teachings of jesus and muhammad the other is understanding the quran uh, we will put links to those on the website as well but uh, talk to me about um your passion for christians to understand the muslim world in order to reach muslims for christ i'm sure that that's why you've written these books yes. and perhaps some others
0: yes uh, well as i've traveled around the country now doing this uh as a ministry for two years, and even when I was a pastor, I was still traveling uh, in my spare time doing the same kind of thing. I've discovered that uh, in the church world, there is such ignorance of the teaching of Islam and uh, of the goals of Islam. Uh, And I always make a distinction between what Islam itself uh, teaches and what Muslims as individuals believe. Because you You never know what a Muslim believes until you actually get to know the person. Uh, This is really the the same with a Christian. I mean, if someone says to you, oh, so-and-so over there is a Christian, Mm -hmm. you you really don't know anything until you talk to them or observe how they live. Uh, The same is true with Muslims. So uh, an individual Muslim can be anywhere on a wide map, a belief range. But if you say, well, what does Islam teach? That's uh, much easier to pin down. So, I try to help Christians to understand the basics of Islam and how that differs uh, so fundamentally from the message of the gospel, and then talk about the kinds of yearnings that, that often uh, are spawned in the hearts of Muslims because of Islam, the things that Islam does not uh, satisfy or does not uh, treat in their lives, and how those yearnings can become uh, great bridges to the gospel, when you speak about who Jesus is, as the one who brings forgiveness, for instance.
1: But I'm sure you've encountered the fact that most of us, most of us who are followers of Jesus, don't feel equipped. We don't feel adequate mm-hmm. to engage a Muslim in those types of deep conversations.
0: Well, I, part of that can be corrected simply by uh, learning what is what Islam teaches. But, I mean, if we're really connected with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and we believe what Jesus said is when you, that when you stand before, uh, particularly before leaders and have to give an account, don't worry. You, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Mm-hmm. I think we, we have to step out and, uh, and take a chance to believe that Jesus really can speak through us. Even if it's uh, in faltering words, he still can make those words uh, have an effect on the heart and mind of the Muslim we're talking with.
1: What do we misunderstand about the Quran? As as Christians,
0: hmm. well, <laughs> boy, that's a big question. I I think uh, most most Christians don't have enough of a basis to make any kind of conclusion about the Quran. I, I guess I'd say the the biggest misconception is that um, Christians probably think that the Quran is a ho- as a holy book is similar to the Bible. Uh, I know from the reverse of that. What Muslims think of the Bible? Uh, those who've never opened one, they assume that it is almost exactly uh, like the Quran. So they, they believe the Quran was dictated by uh, uh, by the angel Gabriel to Muhammad, and uh, that so the whole Quran is is Allah speaking directly through the angel Gabriel to Muhammad. And so they assume that the New Testament is a book that Allah gave through the angel Gabriel to Jesus there as a prophet, and that it's the same kind of dictation. So, if and when a Muslim opens the New Testament and begins to read, uh, he or she becomes confused very quickly by saying, "Well, this isn't anything like the Quran hmm. at all." So,
1: is it? Does it insult a, a Muslim person for us to invite them to pick up the New Testament and read the Gospels?
0: No, it it shouldn't. Uh, uh, some who may be more uh, militant or radical may f- feel insulted, but the Quran itself uh, tells Muslims that the that the Bible uh, is uh, is God's true revelation prior to the Quran, and uh, it, that it lines up with what the Quran teaches. Of course, that becomes problematic because in the end, it doesn't line up. Yeah, but,
1: but as a starting point, the, yeah, you can you can begin there,
0: right? And uh, Allah even tells, in the Quran, tells Muhammad that if he has questions about the revelation he's receiving, that he needs to go to the people of the book. And the people of the book are the Jews and Christians. The book is the Bible. And they can corroborate or uh, share with him the truth in ways he can understand it.
1: Our first-person guest has been Mateen Elas, helping us understand Islam. He has a couple of books which you can follow up on for more on the topic. One is Understanding the Quran, The other, The Teachings of Jesus and Muhammad. We'll put more information about both at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. I'd like to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support of this program, allowing us to find and bring you these stories each week. FEBC's extensive broadcast ministry has seen remarkable results in terms of people of many cultures turning to Christ and learning His Word. Your support of FEBC is vital to those who may otherwise be unreached. More at FirstPersonInterview.com Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you to join us next week for First Person.